You're listening to The Edge, the official audio program of Bass Edge. Oh, look here. I got one. I got one. Look here. <laughs> I mean, he whacked that football jig. The blades will dictate a lot of times the speed of the retrieve or the depth of that bait. Oh, good fish. Good fish. Did you see him come off that log? Oh, look at that son gun, man. That's awesome. You know, you've got to just stay active. Fishing is not easy. Oh, man, that's a toad. This is unbelievable. Hello and welcome to The Edge, the weekly podcast of the Bass Edge television show on the Versus Network. I'm your host, Aaron Martin. This week, Edwin Evers joins us to discuss his approach to fishing cover and brush piles. And if you remember not too long ago... Uh, our episode was actually episode number two featured with Edwin uh, in, right outside of Talala, Oklahoma. And uh, he and I spent uh, some time together throwing spinnerbaits and crankbaits, uh, fishing a lot of structure, uh, mainly wood. And this is going to be an interview that will complement that and really take it to the next level. Also uh, joining us, we have Mike Utzler of Heartland Trails. And he is here to really bring us up to speed on not only the exciting things happening within their organization, but speak a little bit about how that, uh, whether you're a co-angler fishing from the back of the boat or a uh, boater that is fishing from the front of the boat, just how the role of tournaments uh, play into your development as an angler. So a lot of exciting things uh, to take place here this evening, and we are just really, really looking forward to it. But first, an exciting update concerning one of our very own Bass Edge team members, and, and that is uh, Dr. Jay McNamara. As many of you know, Jay actually hosts a sub-segment uh, within the Bass Edge television show called In the Zone, and it, it really focuses on how the mental aspects of, of your game impact or uh, change the result of your fishing day. And his book is it's titled The Psychology of Exceptional Fishing. And it goes into not only the, um, the topics that are discussed on the Bass Edge television show, but he is also a columnist for FLWoutdoors.com. But uh, it, it just goes into a lot of the work that he's done with uh, myself, some of the other touring pros, nationally touring pros that are out there. Um, and, and it's just a, a book that has to be in your fishing library. So look for that uh, to come out shortly. We are already taking pre-orders uh, on the Bass Edge website and it will be available through Amazon.com and other outlets as soon as it's released. So I hope to have Jay on uh, an upcoming podcast as soon as his schedule permit permits rather to talk a bit about uh, the book, but also how all that ties in uh, to the angling experience. And, and I think it will be one that you definitely do not want to miss. But uh, first, stick around uh, because elite pro angler Edwin Evers is up right after this short break. Give any type of boat the edge with MegaWare Keel Guard. It's simple to install, and we can now beach our boat anywhere. If you own a boat, you need one of these. MegaWare Keel Guard protects the keel of your boat from sand abrasion, from underwater obstructions, even concrete boat ramps. Kit started under $140, and best yet, it's guaranteed to keep on protecting for life. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. Welcome back to The Edge with your host, Aaron Martin. 
Welcome back to The Edge. I had the opportunity a while back to sit down with a very popular uh, angler who has, has really taken the, the tour by storm, and that is Edwin Evers, uh, and discuss his background of, of how really he got into the sport um, and, and pick his brain a little bit on the techniques for fishing cover, brush piles, uh, things along those that line. So without further delay, here's our interview with Edwin Evers. Edwin, thank you so much for, for joining us. Uh, I'd love to, to know just what, how in the world did you get involved in the sport of fishing? You know, you get asked that question a lot, you know, once you've kind of made it in the sport. But I grew up very competitive. You know, I played football, played college football, and uh, I fished all through college, and it was just one of those things I was real competitive. I knew I wasn't going to be any good in football. It was kind of too small and too slow. And uh, ended up winning three boats during the time frame going to college and saved that money and the day I graduated you know I worked a lot of odd and end jobs till I made it but you know I started fishing the invitationals and, and worked my way up you know through the ranks you know used that money on fishing Texoma the, that local level there winning those boats and uh, here I am today just feel pretty fortunate to be here. And you, you're one of the few that actually pursued um, fishing directly after college as, yeah, a, as a I career. Did. I did. And that's becoming more and more popular. Edwin, obviously the sport of fishing has, has changed dramatically. You know, what do you see on the horizon? I, it can't be doing anything but getting better, you know, the way I see it. You know, I think this year was a, a huge year and it was kind of a, a year that had a lot of question marks. And I think a lot of those question marks got answered this year. So um, I'm looking forward to it. The, are the days of, of the uh, two tour pro, is that long gone? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't see how a, a man can do that. You know, it was a gr pretty grueling on me fishing 14 tournaments this year. I couldn't imagine adding any more to it. You know, I'm ready for a break as soon as Taper Rock's over. What are your thoughts on the 2006 season? Obviously, you've had tremendous success. <laughs> it was an awesome season. It was probably the funnest season as far as fisheries that I've ever been involved with. We went to some phenomenal lakes this year, and uh, I'm just excited that I was able to catch them in each one of those lakes, and it was, you know, some of them I didn't do real good in, but, you know, some of them I did, and at each lake, you had to catch them, or if, if you didn't catch them, you know, you wasn't no getting by, barely catching them. You had to really bust them each day. Different patterns throughout the, throughout oh, the course? Oh, man, yeah. You know, it was kind of a, a scary season going into it because I think I had experience on maybe four lakes out of the 11 or, or really 14, you know, if you include the majors. I didn't have a lot of experience on a lot of the lakes, and uh, but I liked that. You know, I ended up I, looking back at the season. My best tournaments were all on lakes that I'd never been to before, so it was kind of, a, you know, an interesting deal. And that goes to show, you know, you don't have to have experience, you know, or local knowledge, you know, if you go into lakes with open with an open mind or, or don't have any preconceived notions, you know, a lot of times I, I think that's when I fish my best. So, expanding on that a little bit, when you went to these lakes that you didn't have experience and you had the open mind, what's your starting point? I mean, you know, I, I, I'm pretty simple with it. I acquire as many different types of maps. You know, a lot of lakes will have two or three different uh, brand of maps of the lakes. And, you know, I want to look at the maps. I want to compare them. I want to find the best map, the one that has the most detail. And I just try to pick an area that, you know, I always look for flats. I, I, it's kind of a cliche deal, but I look for areas that have big major flats. And, and when a flat, you know, can be different, like here on Table Rock or, or here on a lake like Lake Amstead, you know, a flat may be 20 foot deep or, or 30 foot deep, but on Rayburn it may just be a 10 foot deep. So what I'm looking for is a flat area. 
And, and in that flat, you're going to have creek channels, you're going to have tree rows, you're going to have um, channel swings, depth changes, troughs. Um, then I start trying to pick apart those areas. But I'm getting kind of complicated. But what I'm trying to say is a flat houses the most amount of bass anywhere on a lake, you know, because it has, they can feed there, spawn there. Everything takes place on that flat. It's kind of just like a big old tabletop of, of where those bass live and congregate. So you find that on the map? Yeah, exactly. And that's the area I zero in, I focus in on, you know, that's where I'm going to start my first tournament day. And then do you run over that with electronics during practice? Or? Oh, I'm going to look at that map and I'm going to see, well, you know, there's a point here on this flat or there's a creek channel going up through this flat or here's a, a, a turn, the river channel swings up here close to, you know, shallow water. I try to pick out those key areas on that flat and then that's where I just start there. You know, it's just a starting point. You know, that's kind of, you just want to have a starting point and then you go from there. Any particular base that you use to start with, whether it be in practice or, or just you, you know, when I'm I'm covering water, I, I'm not going to sit there and, and try to make fish be somewhere. I I don't have a very limited amount of time, so I'm going to be using moving baits. You know, spinner bait being a really prime bait, crank baits being another prime bait. Um, I'll start really with those two baits. You want to keep it pretty simple. If we got hydrilla or grass, I'm going to be using a, a lipless crankbait a whole bunch and just covering a tremendous amount of water. And when you get a bite, you know, you just each bite you're getting, you're going to get further to, to figuring out what those fish are doing, you know, solving that equation. Keys in, in the 2006 season as far as decision making. How, how do you know when to stay and when to go? <laughs> you know, I, a good example at Lake Amstead this year, I was doing really well. I was leading the tournament after the second day. I had 29 pounds or something, and uh, I was catching them pretty well. The final day, I, I end up running into a fish that was a 15 or 16 pound fish. I can see this fish, she's down there fixing to spawn, and a, just a huge fish, and a really bad decision on my part. I never left that fish. I wanted to catch that fish. I completely forgot about the tournament. I completely forgot about the money. I, I forgot about the standings. All I was focused on was that one fish. I mean, it was the biggest fish of my life. I wanted to catch it, and I never did. So it was a poor decision in that, in that regard, but uh, most of the time, you just kind of let the conditions tell you, you know, you got to go with a gut instinct. And that goes back to talking about spending a lot of time on the water. The more time you have on the water, the more gut instincts or the more, uh, the more information or a library of information that you'll have from your past to draw upon. Well, it's starting to get cloudy, the wind's picking up a little bit. Maybe I need to move up a little shallower or something. So time on the water is the biggest thing to making the right decisions. And on that information, do you rely from memory or is there a system yes. that you put in place? Well, you know, I keep I keep all the tournaments that I fished in the past. I try to take notes on them. You know, when s certain things happen and water temperatures, um, I'm not real big on that, but I, I'm pretty good. I have a pretty good memory, so I can remember. I can tell you where I caught a bass five years ago in a tournament here on Table Rock or a tournament on Sam Rayburn or somewhere else. You know, when that situation came upon. So um, I rely mostly on memory just and draw from experiences from the past. Uh, favorite technique? Whatever's catching them. I, I, you know, I feel pretty fortunate that I'm pretty versatile. I, I don't really. I'm not married to any specific technique. You know, I, I want to do whatever I can do to catch them. What about as far as you know? Obviously, the sport of of fishing, whether certainly at your level, but even on on down the ranks, very costly to participate in. I think your entry fees mm -hmm. alone are fifty five thousand. Mm -hmm. Sponsors play a major role for you. Oh, I, I, I'm very fortunate to have some of the best sponsors in the industry. You know, 
when I started, I looked at where a few of the top fishermen were and who they were sponsored with, and that's kind of the direction I wanted to pursue my career. And I just I feel fortunate to be a part of Bass Pro Shops and Nitro. You know, without those guys, I couldn't be out here. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And uh, uh, just two of the greatest companies out there. Any pressure placed on you by sponsors as far as from a performance of where you finish? They may not put pressure on me, but I put pressure on myself. You know, I want to do good. I want to be, I want to be the best that I can possibly be for them, and uh, you know, I want to keep my name in front of their face. And the sport of fishing is almost as much now uh, about marketing. Mm -hmm. Through bass, they they've developed um, obviously individuals and personalities, if you will. How has that impacted you? Is that positive, negative? You know, I, I'm kind of probably the other direction. I want to I want to get recognized for when I catch them. I don't want to have to get up there and, and do, do the jiggy jiggy dance to get on TV, I guess. I don't know how else to say that. I just, you know, I, I just want to be able to, when I do really good, I think I should get recognized for it. And if I don't, that's fine too. Sincerity, integrity, um, obviously, with you stands mm -hmm. out, stands out amongst the fans. How does that help you with regards to you know dealing with sponsors and individuals dealing with with you on a on a representative level? Yeah, I, I think you know you're going to know what you're going to get with me. You know, I, I I I'm not real high and I'm not real low. You know, I'm just pretty even keeled most of the time, and uh, I'm going to go out there and do the best that I can possibly do in every tournament and give it 110 percent. So, I think. The fans and the sponsors, they're going to know, you know, hey, if I'm going to follow Edwin, he's going to be, that's about the direction he's going to be. Looking forward, 2007, uh, for this upcoming season. At the Classic, obviously, you're in. Mm -hmm. uh, let's break it down by thoughts on the Classic. You feel? I'm pretty excited about it. It's a lake that I've been to. Uh, there's going to be a couple different techniques that just what I think will work there. So, um, and it's all techniques that I feel really comfortable with. Uh, there's big spotted bass in that place. There's some, some really good largemouth. Um, I, I can be the next 2007 Classic Champion right there. That's, That's awesome. the way I look at it. So, And you're exactly right. You're, if, if you had, don't have that belief, it's, it's yeah. pretty hard to, to be able to compete. Mm -hmm. you know, why, why start your motor up in the morning? Yeah. What about as far as the rest of the season? Any, any changes or anything going on with you that we'll see? Um, you know, I really hadn't studied it or thought about it a whole lot. I think we're going to, you know, again, quite a few places that I hadn't been to before or hadn't done any well at. You know, the, the California swing, I'm pretty excited about it, but really I've, I've been out there one time, the, I don't know, we went out there four years ago and I didn't do any good. I finished dead last basically in both those tournaments. So uh, I'm excited about it, you know, as long as I can go into each tournament with an open mind and, and go out there and try to figure them out. I think I'll do fine. Days of uh, having a, a separate occupation and being able to compete at this level are those long? Gone. Yeah. I, to be able to do what we're doing, you have to give it 110%. And, you know, so much time is taken up when you're home from your sponsors, you know, going and promoting Bass Pro Shop store openings or, or grand openings or any of that type of stuff, you know, you have to be available to do all that stuff when you're not fishing. So it, I don't see how you could give it 110% and have another occupation. Share a little bit as far as even from a local level or standpoint, you know, individual is trying to approach uh, sponsors. Any words of wisdom or experience that you've gained? Yeah, I would, I would say uh, just be yourself. I would say 
you know, put together a really good resume, I would, I would say don't go out there with high expectations. You know, these people are being bombarded. Thousands and thousands of people out there just like, say, me or anybody else trying to get sponsorship. And uh, it's not an easy thing to acquire, so get used to saying no. I know my first four or five years out here, I got told no, no more than anybody, or I felt like I got told no more than anybody, and it took me to make the Bassmasters Classic to finally get a, a decent sponsor. How big is just the fact of making the Classic um, with regards to your career? It was huge for me, you know. It enabled me to go out the next year because when I qualified for the Classic, that was the same year I qualified for the Tour, which is now the Elites. And if I hadn't have done it that way, I wouldn't I wouldn't have been able to afford to go out there and fish the Tour because by making the Classic, I was able to get some paying sponsors, and it enabled me to take it one step further. And uh, you know, you don't need to make it once; you really need to make it twice because there's a lot of people out there that's made it once. But when you make it twice, that'll even take you one step further, and uh, it, it'll just be a big feather in your hat. Consistency. Yeah, exactly. Thoughts on physical condition or nutrition, you know, with regards to recreation? I, I think, you know, your physical condition is a, a major factor. I mean, just being able to practice all day long is huge. You know, I, a lot of the guys... They don't, they don't practice all day long, and I can't tell you how many times I found the group of fish that I've done really well on in a tournament, five, six, seven o'clock in the afternoon or in the evening. So uh, I think it's very important. I th you know we're out there 14, 14 weeks, and some of those tournaments is pretty rough water too. It'd be hard on your body. What about as far as mental? Obviously, there's mood swings and you know emotions. I'm sure from one end of the spectrum to the other. Yeah. How how do you deal with it? You know, you have to go to the next one. I try to put it behind me because I'm, I'm, I'm hard on myself. If I finish bad or don't win, I'm really hard on myself. But if you're in the sport long enough, you're going to zero. You're going to have horrible days. You're going to break down. And it's just you've got to be able to roll with the punches and roll with what's going on and, and move on to the next tournament, put it behind you. Elaborate a little bit on of the 100 or so anglers that, you know, really are fishing the elite. Mm -hmm. Describe for us how that how you interact or is it one big happy family or you know for me i travel with uh three other anglers and we're all close 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 friends uh you know i really enjoy the time we all camp you know we're really close uh you know i think we're all pretty pretty good friends um i you know i don't really know i, I mean i seem to be nice to everybody everybody seems to be nice to me so it seems like you know pretty good camaraderie amongst everybody camping is that so for the standpoint of being away from the crowds or well you know early on in my career i camped to save money i mean i couldn't afford to stay in hotels uh but i realized the huge advantages of camping and you know now i've, I've got a really nice camper one of my best sponsors lance campers and i do it for the fact that you don't have any of that hotel motel talk you know all that chatter i don't have any of those distractions you stay at hotels a lot of times you got people in your room till 10, 11 o'clock at night. Um, another huge advantage for me is when I go home, all my clothes, all my tackle, everything stays in that truck. You know, I don't have to unpack anything. You know, I know everything's in that camper when I put it on my truck and when I leave, I don't forget anything. I, I load that thing at the beginning of the year in January for everything that I will need throughout the whole year and it's in there. And uh, 
I just I don't ever forget anything. It's always in there. You know, I've got a complete set of clothes that stay in that camper. You know, if I take them in and wash them, those set of, that set of clothes goes back out to the camper. You know, so I just I don't ever forget. It's almost anything. like a second home. Right? It exactly it is, and it's it's nice to be able to sleep in your own bed every night. I, I can't tell you how how much more comfortable it is for me to to sleep in my own bed, my own pillows, and in the same sense, my boat's right there, right behind me every day. I don't ever ever have to worry about somebody stealing anything worry about taking my rods out into a hotel room uh, it's the only way to go I, I would never go any other way but to camp any benefits from being you know you're exposed obviously to nature oh, you, you open up your door and yeah. I'm sure you have some nice parks that, that help I like being outdoors you know I like being real close to the water you're able to tell what the water's doing you know you can walk down to the water and say hey well it's come up a little bit last night you know you can play that into your into what you're doing the next day fans are big part of this sport, mm -hmm. of the sport of fishing. With that, with the popularity that's come along with it, chase boats and some things like that, how how do you comp or you know compensate for that? You know, I think it's a it's I don't look at it as a hindrance. You know, it's a pretty neat deal that we got people out there following us. There's been times when I'd probably want to choke a few people, you know, they pull up and start fishing right there with you also, but uh you know it's pretty neat. You just gotta block it out of your head. It's a it's a public lake. Go out there and do your job. Um and the rest will take care of itself is the way I look at it. Electronics. Talk a little bit about that. You it's rely a, heavily on Oh, vehicles. my electronics are huge. Uh, I couldn't go without my electronics. Um, one of the neatest things about my electronics that I really loved this year is that big, gigantic big screen. Everybody makes fun of me of my big screen. I got that Lorance 111 HD, and it's it's got a screen on it that big, and I can see it. That's why I have it. Going down the lake at 70 miles an hour, I can see that screen. Before, you know, we had this little bitty screen, and you're sitting there, do I turn left or right up there? I don't remember which way I need to turn. I need to turn because there's a stump in the middle, so that's why I like that thing. It's a, it's it's really good uh, and then as far as fishing is good you know they just they've really made my job a lot easier having good electronics give us one thing that people may not know about you hmm uh, I, I really I, I own a couple tractors I like having tractors I you know since I've gotten Old married or new or? Uh, one of them is about an 85 model, another one is about a 75 model. And, uh, I just like getting on them and going brush hogging or pushing over trees or doing, you know, I just, I enjoy that. I enjoy outdoors, you know, hunting and fishing and duck hunting and dove hunting. I just, I like it all. Moment you most, you most remember in your career? Probably making that first classic. That was pretty huge to me. You know, that was a big deal. Life changing, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah key to your ongoing success being open-minded you know if i could just learn not to be so stubborn in certain situations you know when i do really bad it's because i'm really stubborn i'm going to make them bite the way i want them to want them to bite and uh if i can get away from that just be open-minded what's your go-to bait man you know i got three or four of them you know I, I like to flip a tube a whole lot you know i like to throw crankbaits you know probably Probably flipping a black neon Bass Pro Shops tube would be my number one go-to bait, I'd have to say. Ultimate goal? Angler of the Year. Without a doubt, I want Angler of the Year more than anything. Do you rank Angler of the Year as much as Bassmasters Classic? More so. You know, Angler of the Year, 11 tournaments. I mean, Bassmasters Classic, one tournament. I mean, it, anybody can get lucky in one tournament, win one tournament. But to to win Angler of the Year, you've got to 
you got to catch them over 11 tournaments. Really good. Well, certainly you've had a phenomenal 2006 year. Put yourself in that, uh, at least at, at, towards the top. Look forward to seeing what you have in store for us uh, for this upcoming, for the 2007 season. Well, thank you. Edwin, thank you so much. for Thanks your for having me. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, we'll be right back with Mike Utzler of Heartland Trails to talk about the opportunities uh, that exist within the competitive fishing arena, as well as the many exciting things that's going on currently within Heartland Trails. You've got the truck. You've got the toys. Now it's time to get the hitch that gives you more time to play with both. It's the tow and stow receiver hitch by B&W. You want options? Select the ball size, adjust the height to level the trailer, or stow it out of the way in just seconds. It's 10,000 towing pounds worth of durability, convenience, and the latest technology that has made B&W famous. The tow and stow receiver hitch by B&W. Call 1-866-BEST-HITCH. Welcome back to The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge. Welcome back to the podcast. One quick thing that I wanted to cover, and if you were tuned in last week, you caught this, but it's it's worth repeating. We are going to be giving away some exciting products on every single episode of the Bass Edge podcast. And all that you have to do is to send us an email uh, and place in the subject line product giveaway. Uh, in addition, within the body of the, of the message, um, be sure in there somewhere to include your name, address, and phone number so that we can contact you uh, if and when you win. Each week, uh, you will want to send in a new email uh, to be included in the next week's drawing. So again, important. Subject line needs to include product giveaway and send an email to podcast, and that is P as in Paul, O-D-C-A-S-T at BassEdge.com. And if you sent one previously to info at BassEdge.com, Dot com last week. Do not worry. We will still include you in the first drawing. But from here on out, we decided it would be much easier to direct all of the entries to podcast at BassEdge.com. Anyway, moving on. We have Mike Utzler with Heartland Trails joining us today. Uh, very excited about this. So, Mike, thanks so much for being here. Great to be here, Aaron. Appreciate the opportunity. You know, one of the things that I can remember of, of growing up as an angler, you know, and starting just from on the banks of a pond was, you know, I really had that, that dream of seeing and being a part of that competition. And a lot of people don't realize that, you know, it's, it's more than just the competition or more of the, than just the opportunity to compete for that trophy or, you know, that check. Right. You know, and, and, and I, since I'm a little older than you are, I can kind of relate a little bit farther back because I, I had the, the, uh, the luxury of seeing tournaments start. I, I too grew up fishing small farm ponds and, and I can still remember the first time a, a largemouth bass exploded upon my little uh, uh, lure that I was throwing out or whatever. I don't even remember the bait but I can still remember catching that fish. But I, but I do have the have seen the, the sports grow from infancy. You know when they first started out in the, the old draw buddy tournaments uh, that you didn't know who you was going to draw, didn't know whose boat you were going to use till to today where a person like yourself or, or listeners can can make a career out of it. Uh, they can actually make good money out of it and it's evolved to a, a place that you can uh, you can do a lot of things with it. 
And you know, that's when when people get into the business or get into the sport of fishing, I should say. You know, I, I'm sure a lot of folks don't realize that you know you can keep it as in a hobby, right? Or you can take it to whatever level that you want. You bet. That that's the neat thing about it. It's a lifetime sport. You know, we we we've talked about that. It doesn't matter uh, your physical limitations. You can be you know have anything you know older folks can fish it younger folks can fish you know you there there are so many areas in, in the state of Missouri I, I related a lot to, to hunting and because I love to hunt but hunting has got to where it's so hard to find good places but there are still so many thousands of good places to go fishing that are easily accessible uh, you don't have to spend a lot of money to do it it's just getting to that spot uh, your rod and reels are fairly inexpensive, or or you can take it to whatever level you want to. You know, and in giving advice to an angler who is looking to move up potentially from the amateur aspect, or mm -hmm. maybe as a co-angler from the back of the boat. Mm -hmm. Give us your thoughts on what you as an angler would recommend, but also then as being involved with a tournament association such as Heartland. You know, what's, what's some pointers and some advice there? Let me give the angler side of it first because I'm, I'm a pro angler and, and in the last three years I've fished between 15 and 20 pro-am circuits or, or tournaments in, in the Midwest. Uh, one of the, and, and I've had some great experiences and, and then I've had some that wasn't so great and, and probably the biggest thing I could I could say to an, an angler that's going to be on the amateur side is, is watch what your pro is doing but but let him do his own thing and and, and not uh, get into a competition where you're trying to compete against him. Remember that you're fishing together in the same boat, but you're not fishing against each other. The, the competition pro, is against the fish. Right. <laughs> the competition is against the fish, and it's also the pro's got his fish, his techniques. You've got to, to adapt and, and use your strengths too. And, and on the same hand, and coupled with that, the, the, the pro should be uh, nurturing the guy in the back of the boat and giving him his information that he possibly can you know and, and one thing that that happens here that I see is, is the amateur sometime expect too much out of the pro you know uh, if, if and the reason I say this is I, I I'm not going to sit and tell a guy exactly how to do ever move or how to make ever cast I'm going to give him general information of where the fish are located what I'm doing to do that to catch them and then then he can he can expound on and go from there you know like like I, I'm a flipper and a pitcher and this makes it tough on a lot of these guys and that's why I bring a subject up is because if they're if I'm throwing a black and blue jig if I'm doing my job right if he's throwing a black and blue jig he's probably not going to catch very many fish and, and the only thing he's going to get to fish is a lot of used water so I tell my guys downsize use a little different color don't pitch to the same spot I'm pitching to. Look for different different uh, areas to, to throw to. Use a different technique. You know, lift it up faster than I am. Watch what I'm doing. Don't try to emulate exactly what I'm doing because if you do, there again, going back to this, if I'm the pro and know what I'm doing, I'm going to catch most of the catchable fish doing It's kind of like going to McDonald's. You may want a cheeseburger one time and you may want that's, uh, that's right. a steak some other time. And that doesn't mean you're not going to learn how I'm doing this and, and how I'm pitching back behind the dock or in, in the brush or whatever. You're still going to pick that up, but, but don't make it a competition against the guy in the front. It's a learning experience for you and, and it's a competition competition against the fish. Well, and I can understand what you're saying because, you know, being on the front end of the boat and having that control on fishing on the pro side, I as an angler want 
that co-angler to catch fish. Right. And I am going you to bet. do my best to make sure that you we bet. go out and have a great experience. But yeah. you know what? There's some days out there that it just, the cars don't fall where they may and yeah. you know, the fish don't work out the way. And, the way and especially the technique you're using. If you're throwing crankbaits or a Carolina rig or that sort of thing where, where you're, you, and, and let's face it, you're actually sharing more water because you're both casting to a point or, or, or to a drop off, that sort of thing. Where you, you get into the flipping, especially of docks, or, or brush, you know, uh, willows and stuff, the guy in the front of the boat is going to have a lot, you know, and I always try to give my guy, and I tell him, you know, this is, this is your spots here. You need to hit that spot. I'm going to skip those areas. And, but, you know, there again, I'm watching that guy. If he doesn't take advantage of the spots I give him, you know, I, I'm going to start hitting them harder because I, I want those fish to be caught or that, that's what we're out there to do it. And if he doesn't take advantage of it, then I'm going to fish harder. And if he doesn't do what I, you know, what I'm suggesting on where to hit, uh, you know, somebody needs to catch those sure. fish. Well, and, and the other thing I think to keep in mind as a co-angler, the way that I always looked at it is I can learn something regardless. Right. If we're in, we are not catching fish, that's telling me something because yeah. the fish are telling us what they are or, in this case, are not wanting. Right, and that, that's, that's what I'm supposed to do as a pro in the front of the boat. I'm supposed to have the, have the game plan down, you know, and, and if you've been, as an amateur, if you've been pre-fishing, you know, and, and on to something, yeah, I, I don't mind you sharing it with me, but if it's something totally different than, you know, if you've been catching your fish on a, on a Carolina rig and, and I'm running up in the back of the rivers, you know, I'm, I'm probably not going to go fish Carolina rig, so don't be upset because I'm not going to do what you're doing. You know, I'm going to go to where my fish because I, that's, that's me. I, I'm the pro. I've spent the time looking for them, and I should have a game plan. If I don't have a game plan, I'm not much of a pro the way I look at it, sure. you know, because I'm, I'm the one that's, that's uh, A, fishing for a lot more money. B, I've got a lot more time and, 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 and money of my own invested in what I'm doing. And my sponsors, they, they want me to do good. Absolutely. You know? yeah. Changing hats now to more from the, the tournament um, association perspective, you know, does, does Heartland have any recommendations or any kind of rules of thumb you know, from, for instance, you, you run three sp very specific trails. One is going to be the Pro-Am format, right. the Elite Series, and then also the Buddy. Uh -huh. um, you know, you hear a lot of talk about, is there any perfect time of when someone should move up from the back of the boat, or as an amateur, up to then taking over control of the front? In, in years past, we, we, we had no rules, per se, or regulations on, but we, we've seen a need in the last few years to to qualify some of these. Like you said, our elite is a fish alone tournament. Our pro-am is, is, is a pro-am, you have the pro-am. What we've seen sometimes is some of the guys would like to experiment in the elite division from the amateur side and they go fish the, the, that side. Uh, if they're going to do that, we're not going to allow them to go back to the amateur status during that tournament year. So in other words, if I'm an amateur, and I decide I want to fish the elite circuit, that's fine, and fish by yourself, and you go do that. But if you're going to do that, you've lost your amateur status for that tournament year. And, and if you want to come back and fish a program, you're more than welcome to, but, but you will have to do it as a pro. Sure. And, and, and this is, is just common sense. We just don't, we, we're, we're afraid that someone might get to con, uh, conceive that somebody was just going with them or getting to fish with them and then coming back and fishing their holes and that sort of thing. So we're trying to just, just we really haven't had any of that happening but, but that we know of, but we just want to get a, keep away from that. Sure. Well, you know, the, the sport of fishing has, has grown just 
tremendously, not only from the recreation standpoint, but also, you know, it's, it's really turned into an opportunity to make a career out. Right. And I know as an angler, uh, one of the things that I look at is not only scheduling and the bodies of water that they go to, but payouts. Right. You know, when gas prices are soaring through the roof, we're now giving, you know, forty to $50,000 for bass boats. Uh, there's a lot at stake, you know, when you're, when you're out there and selecting a tour to fish. Right. We had a major overhaul this year in our, uh, in our changes, uh, you know, specifically in the Elite Series and the team or, or the old buddy series we, we renamed it the, the the team series this year yeah what we were doing in the past is having championships as at the end of the year and and then giving away three boats in each one of those championships well our our sponsors uh, tracker marine uh, are so gracious to us to give us more boats to use we have set up to where we're actually having a series of, of uh, four elite tournaments and we're, every one of them is a championship. We're giving away a boat at each one. Uh, the team series, five of those, we're giving away a boat and motor, Mercury motor. Uh, Mercury's been very gracious in helping us on, on with the motors. And that coupled with the fact that, that there again, you talked about payouts, and, and we really done a lot of research. We talked to a lot of anglers. You know, do you want to keep it for the, the guy who wins it, wins the whole enchilada, so to speak? Or do, does a guy that places 50th still want to get his entry fee back when he goes back home and has a good feeling about, about the tournament instead of just the top dogs winning all the tournament or winning all the, the money? So we, we, we did something that's extraordinary. And no other tournament circuit that I know of is doing this. The money that was, would have been first place in each one of these tournaments is we gave away the boat and motor and we took that money, instead of putting it back into Heartland, we put it back into the tournament anglers on the bottom end of the scale. So basically in those two tournaments, the Elite and the, and the, uh, the Team Series, we're paying one and three spots. So if there's 100 boats, like, it, well, we'll just take for instance our kickoff. We had 150 in our Team Series, 150 teams. 50 guys got 300 bucks going home, at least. At least minimum. 300 bucks. Yeah, so one out of three. You know, and, and the elite's going to be the same way. The pro am's a little bit different. It's one out of four, and and our AFT is or BFT is is uh, one out of four also. But but those type of innovations are what you know. And I'm bragging here a little bit, but that's what makes Heartland. We're, we're Ralph Haggard, the owner, has always put the needs of the angler first, and he wants to. You know, we we have done. The only time we change anything actually is is to make it better for, for the guys to keep it a level playing field where all anglers have the, the opportunity and uh, to, to keep the sport going. Well, and you know, the, one of the things about the, the region that Heartland is more or less hubbed out of is the Midwest. Mm -hmm. Midwest has some sticks out there that can fish. Oh, you bet. <laughs> and you I bet. mean, you know, a, a lot of the guys that have went on to to fish national trails, started there, but also come right. back to you to conti continue to con you know compete at that level. This la last October, we had uh, uh, Kenyon Hill was fishing with us, uh, uh, Guido and, and uh, Dion Hibden, uh, you know Mark Tucker, you know what kind of names are those, sure. you know, and, and 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 we enjoy that, and I think the guys really enjoy that too, is to see how they rate against those guys, and and and. Our, our people hold up pretty well against them. Well, and it, it just brings up a good point that, you know, my personal opinion on that is if I'm going to win, I want to win against the best. Right. You know, so, you know, the, the adage of saying that, you know, the competition is stacked, 
Well, it's just, it has more to do with the fact that there's just a lot of good talent out there anymore that regardless of where you live. Right. And, and, and there's, there's always, if you look at any sport, I don't care if it's fishing, if it's football, basketball, baseball, you usually play or participate at the level you're competing against. And if you're in a pickup game against a few guys out here, you know, you, you, you perform different than at a level if you're in a championship game. And that, that's kind of the way we look at it. We had an interesting letter that, uh, that a guy wrote to us here a while back, kind of condemning us for trying to make the sport more competitive. And, and our, our response to him was, well, we're not really doing that. It's the, the anglers are initiating that. They want the more competition, but that there again, it's an individual choice. If that guy doesn't want to compete at our level or, or whatever level, he can go to the bass club if he wants to compete. If he doesn't want to compete at all, he can still learn from our TV programs, our, our, our magazine. He can still learn uh, from those and benefit from them even though he doesn't compete. Sure, and you know that, that is a very good point is that Competition is not necessarily for everybody, right? But the end result from being a part and driving the sport is that everybody benefits right. from it. And and it's you know it goes kind of back to the 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 aspect that it's hard to argue against uh, anything that doesn't harm the resource that it's using. You know we go to great lengths to for catch and release. We have our most stringent rules are, are concerning fish survival. So when we, when we run 90, 95% or higher on fish survival for a whole entire year, it, it's kind of hard to say, well, I'm against that because it's harming something. You know, I don't know what it's harming. I mean, we're, we're putting these fish back. And, and yeah, we could lose some fish uh, over the time, but, but if we chose not to compete and just to harvest the fish and take them home and eat them, there wouldn't be very many bass left in the lake, you know, in, no in a short period of time. So our, our conservation efforts are, have always been, you know, we were the first, and I'm saying we as tournament anglers, we were the first to, to do the catch and release, the first to do link limits. You know, we've self-imposed, uh, self-imposed uh, uh, live well aerators in, in our live wells to keep the fish alive. There are so many things and we're continually looking for ways to protect every bass that we catch out there. We don't, our, you know, our goal with Heartland Trails is to go through an entire year and never lose a fish, regardless of whether it's our fault or our angler's fault or anybody's. You know, that would be the greatest goal we could achieve. Resources are key. Well, in, in wrapping up, you know, give us a, give us a teaser of, of what Heartland has in store coming up. I mean, you guys have, have done some phenomenal things over the course of the last couple of years. What, what do we see on the horizon? Oh, we're just so excited about, about our new concept. I think the, the word of mouth getting out on this, this pay scale of one to three, the boats that ever given away a, a Nitro 591 worth 25 grand with a Mercury motor on it at each, each event has got to, to inspire a lot of guys. And uh, you know, our magazine coverage is, is greater. Our TV involvement's gonna be bigger in the next few years than it has been. And I, I can't elaborate, but we've got some real neat things coming sure. on. Mike, if we're looking to get some more information or find out just really specifics or generalities about Heartland Trails, how, how do we do that? Uh, the, the easiest way is to go through our website. Our website is www.hpata.com. And this will give you all the information how to subscribe to uh, uh, Heartland Trails Magazine, which is our bi-monthly magazine that we publish uh, six times a year. Uh, and then all the tournament information will be on there and a lot of other neat features. What about telephone number? 
Uh, one, the telephone number for, for Heartland is 816-464-5557. Well, we certainly look forward to seeing those. Mike, I wish we had more time. You've been a wealth of information. Thanks so much for sharing with us. Thank you and appreciate the opportunity to be on Bass Edge. Where does time go? Unfortunately, that is all the time that we have on this, this week's uh, podcast. Thanks, Mike, so much for, for joining us. And I also want to thank Edwin Evers uh, for his tips. Be sure to check out our weekly television show airing on Versus Network at 7.30 a.m. on Wednesday mornings and again on at 7 a.m. on Sunday mornings. So that's Wednesday mornings, 7.30 a.m., Sunday mornings at 7 a.m., and both of those are Central Standard Time. So uh, you will need to make adjustments accordingly if you live outside of the Central Standard Time Zone. And for plenty of additional information, uh, be sure to visit our website at BassEdge.com. Next week, we're going to be joined by tidal water expert Kurt Dove. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next week on The Edge. This week's edition of Bass Edges, The Edge, has been brought to you by B&W Trailer Hitches, Cook's Tackle Management System, Locker Bar Boat Security System, and MegaWare Keel Guard. For more information on Bass Edge, including our television show, training materials, e-newsletter, and podcast, please visit www.bassedge.com.